All right, so if you have a Bible in front of you, if you'd like to turn to Joshua chapter 3, please. Um, For those that are using the scriptures, I'm using the King James Version. And it's starting from verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from, I'm not going to say that word, and they, what's, what is your, where, where, where are you removed from? What does it say in your Bible? Acacia Grove. Acacia Grove. Mine, uh, yeah, yeah, we won't say that word. So, and they removed from the grove and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel. <laughs> and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, Thank you. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And there there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Hallelujah. And so, sometimes when, I, when I'm praying, and like this morning I was, I was praying and meditating on scripture and stuff, and sometimes I feel um, the emotion of the Lord, and, and I feel quite, not heavy, but a bit sad today, um, because, of, because of God's heart as well, really. And, and, and it's basically this whole point here. It says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of, your, of the Lord your God and the priests bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And when I was kind of thinking about this passage this morning, I, I, I saw the priests carrying the Ark aloft and moving forward with it. But the people were just distracted by so many things that they weren't even aware that the Ark of the Covenant was moving past them. And earlier on this week, uh, for our, pl- our prayer um, school, I was uh, getting people to meditate on a particular passage of scripture, and it was from uh, John chapter 1, and uh, it says in verse 10 and 11, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew not him, or knew him not. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And that morning, The Holy Spirit said to me, if I came into your church this Sunday, would anybody even recognize me? Because when Jesus was alive and he walked the earth, the creator of everything, he is the word who is the will of the Father, who spoke the will of the Father so that creation came into being through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then here he is, the word entwined in human flesh and became and dwelt amongst us and became as one of us. And yet when he walked amongst us, nobody recognized him. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you know what? The reason why you don't believe in me or or the message that I bring is because you don't actually believe what Moses told you. He says, because what Moses told you is actually all about me. 
And therefore you don't believe me because you don't believe in the message that, that you have been, that's been written down by Moses. I mean, what, a, what an amazing thing to say that these religious leaders of the law, and he says to them, you don't actually even believe this stuff. And so they didn't have eyes to see when Jesus was in their midst. And the Holy Spirit gave me this picture of Jesus literally walking in, but, but you know, wearing like a baseball cap and uh, just coming in and having a cup of tea with us. And I could see different responses from different people. Some had absolutely no idea who it was that was in their midst. Just like, oh, it's just a, hi, how you doing, mate? You're right. Someone else went up and offered him a cup of coffee. Some people were strangely warm to him, but, you know, don't know why. And people were coming up to me saying, hey, Chris, you should let this guy preach here occasionally. I, I think this guy's got something to say. Yet still we didn't know that it was Jesus in our midst. And I was pondering, I was like, well, well, but I was trying to make excuses. Well, Lord, of course they wouldn't recognize you because they're not expecting you, you know. Um, no one would expect you to come in the flesh into our church. It's just not something that we're kind of, you know, expecting, really. We know you're here by your Holy Spirit. But it, it just landed right in my, my, my heart, which was my people wouldn't recognize me because my people don't know me. That if I was to stand right in front of them, would they actually know that it was me? And so I saw this morning when the Ark of the Covenant was being carried aloft by the priests. And, and, and the Israelites were supposed to follow it because this was the time. This is the time they'd been waiting for. You see, in Deuteronomy chapter, well, not Deuteronomy chapter 4, but the book of Deuteronomy is basically the story of going from Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, and leaving that mountain and coming on a journey so that they end up at Mount Zion. And it says in Deuteronomy, it's time to leave this mountain now, and it's time to go to another mountain in the city of Jerusalem, which they didn't even know yet. I love it in the book of Numbers, it actually prophesies about this mountain, going from Mount Hermon, sorry, not Mount Hermon, from uh, Mount Sinai, going to this other mountain where God would dwell, and it's Mount Zion, hallelujah, blessed be his name. And so the people were now ready, and Joshua is now getting these people, it's time, it's time to go. You know, we've been in the wilderness for 40 years, thanks to that previous generation that didn't believe in God, didn't believe in him, even though they saw the signs and the wonders, and they saw the pillar of fire, and they saw the parting of the Red Sea, and they saw this, uh, Egypt defeated. But they still hung on to the old ways of Egypt. They still hung on to the ways of idolatry. They still hung on to the ways of paganism and false gods, even amidst the camp where the power of the Lord was present. And because of their disobedience, they had to wait 40 years for that whole generation to die off so that the younger generation could then go in and to possess their land. And so God is saying here, he's saying, guys, it's time for you to now enter into the promised land. God has a promised land for every one of us. Hallelujah. It really does. But there's a process. There's a journey. If you want to go into the promised land, there are things that you have to go through. There's, there's a journey. There's an expectancy. And one of the things that Joshua says to the people of God, he says, you must sanctify yourselves. 
You must make yourselves holy. You must set yourself apart from the things of this world so that you are set apart for God, so that you will be counted worthy to come into the promised land. And this morning, I just had that picture that the Ark of the Covenant was aloft. The priests were carrying it. And remember, the Ark of the Covenant is the manifest presence of Almighty God from the Old Testament point of view. And so here he is. But the adults were doing this. And the Ark of the Covenant was going around behind them. They're like, they saw a shift in the light, but didn't really think about it. They could hear some noise going on, but they were too busy. They were too busy about secondary issues. They were too busy about moaning about this. They were too busy to, to actually really pay attention to the fact that the Spirit of God has moved because they're paying more attention to the things of the flesh and not the things of the Spirit. They're not walking by the things of the Spirit. Now, when the things of the Spirit start to move, they don't recognize it because they're carnal thinking people. And they're not seeing the things that God is doing. And people say, but I am awake. But we're not awake. How can I tell or how can we know if people are awake? The hallmark of someone who is alive is their prayer life. And the hallmark of someone that is truly awake to the things of God is how often they agonize in prayer for the church and for this nation. That is the barometer of which our spiritual walk is measured by. Your prayer life. The intensity of your prayer life. The closeness in that prayer life that you have to, you and I have to the living God. That is our barometer of where we're at with God. This is not to make you feel bad. This is to say, okay, I'm a work in progress. There are things in my life that aren't right. But brothers and sisters, we are about to go into the promised land and we have to put down those idols. And we have to put down those nonsense things that we think, which we think are important, but actually are so irrelevant. Then they're not things of the spirit, they're things of the flesh. We've got to be a people that live and walk and move by the Spirit, not by carnal reasoning. The Spirit. We've got to learn to walk and flow in the things of God. We've got to have that relationship and that closeness to God and that love and that kindness and that sensitivity to the things of the Spirit. That when the Spirit moves, we move wherever He goes. We follow Him. And if it's the Spirit, the cloud moves over there, we go there. If the Spirit of the Lord moves over there, we move over there. Like in Ezekiel, when the Spirit of the Lord moved, the angels with the wheels within wheels moved up and moved wherever the Spirit bade them. They moved wherever God went, they moved. But you see, something is coming now where actually we're going to see some really heartbreaking things because the spirit is on the move. Reason with this. Is it right that we should spare a life to save a limb or tear off a limb to save a life? Is it right that we should give up a life to save a limb or we tear off a limb to save a life. Because where we're going, and this is what breaks God's heart, is that there'll be much in the church that will resist the Holy Spirit. There will be a stiff neck and proud people and will resist the move of God that is coming. 
And is it right that the church should die for the sake of those that resist? Or should we split and do the things of the Spirit? And it's a, it's a pitiful shame of the church throughout all of church history that this has to keep happening. There has to be, we come to a point where, you know, like the Reformation and we have to break off. And then the Methodists from the Anglicans and we have to break off. And every move of God, we've had to break off. This is not God's heart. This is not God's will. But unfortunately, it has to happen. And we're coming into times where, where God is saying, I am sovereign, I am God, and I am going to do something wonderful and beautiful, but my people need to be ready. And I need to have a people that move by the, by the power of my spirit and not by the carnal mind, touch not, taste not. Uh, all of these things are of the flesh. They are not profitable for the things of the spirit. You are righteous in Christ Jesus. It's his righteousness that you walk in. It's his truth that you walk in. It's his spirit that's been given to us. You know, we, we come up with all kinds of crazy things, don't we? Wow. If I, if I do this and I do that, maybe it will make the spirit of God come upon me even more. You know? Anyone done that? Anyone in here? Is it only me? There's one or two. One or two. Three, four, anyone, any other takers? You know where you think, well, if I, if I just do this and I jump through that hoop and I jump through this loop, maybe God will anoint me with his power. Now, I'm, used, I'm, I'm moving away from the word anointing now because I think that term has done a lot of damage to the church because what we see in the church now is anointed men and women that people come to them instead of going to Jesus. Because... You see, the anointing is really the authority that God gives to individuals to bring about his plans and purposes. But where Christianity has monetized that anointing or given man the fame and the glory because of that authority, I think God is very, very grievous about this. And we should stop looking to people and stop looking to man as the solution and the answer for things in Christendom. You see, there's something wonderful coming with God and he wants his people to be set apart to him. He wants his people to be a people that are deeply, deeply acquainted with him one on one so that we can move together as one, as a church in these days. God has such a plan for us, but there will be those that will resist the things of the spirit. Again, this morning when I was meditating, God showed me that picture of, you know, Uzzah? When the Ark of the Covenant was in 1 Samuel, the Ark of the Covenant was going out and David was trying to bring it back into the Ark of the Covenant, back into the city. But he wasn't doing it right. He was doing it in his own way, in his own understanding. And, and then the, 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 the ox cart with the, with the Ark of the Covenant was starting to shake. And Uzzah put out his hand to steady the Ark, which is the presence of God. And then, bang, instantly he dropped dead. And God showed me this picture this morning where man sees this move of God and says, Lord, I must just steady this move of the Spirit. Lord, I must apply some, some human wisdom to this. And I must, I must, in, case, in case it falls or in case it goes out of control, I must put my hand on this thing and stop it from being uncontrollable. And bang! You're dead! It, this is something that the Spirit was saying to me this morning, is that the fear of God is going to come back into the church again. Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead because the Holy Spirit would not allow liars to pretend something 
when God is at work by his power. God will not tolerate it and we will see fearful things in the church again. In those days, people were frightened to go to church. Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't want to go to church today. Please don't let me go to church. I I know this this is, I'm sorry this is a a heavy message. But we're we're coming into a new season and, and it's a serious time that we're coming into. This is not business as usual. This is not church as usual. This is something wonderful that we're coming into. But we're coming into a time where our holy God is going to be leading his church again. We would all do well to read the book of Numbers. You see, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that these things, specifically to the book of Numbers, were written for our example and for our warning. God's not going to put up with any nonsense anymore. Because God is on the move, like he was in the book of Acts. Like he was in the time of King David when it was about bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. Things have to be done right. Things have to be done according to the way that God has deemed it to be done. Not the way that we would deem it to be done. Not the way that man's wisdom would like it to be done. Not in the way that we think it should be done. But he will do it in the way that he will decree. And he wants it done. And we just say, yes boss, if that's what you want, then that's what you get. I don't care what your theology is. If Jesus says, do this, then you do it. And if he says, jump three foot in this high, you ask, how high do you want me to jump? Jesus, jump, you jump, you do it. Whatever he says, do, you do it. And you do it with a praise and glad, glad heart. <laughs> God is going to do some wonderful, wonderful things in his church. But brothers and sisters, we have to take this seriously. Jesus is saying to us, I want my people to consecrate themselves to me. I want my people to be spending more time in prayer with me. I want people to, I am the good shepherd and I expect my sheep to know my voice. And I expect my sheep that if I turn up in their church, they will actually recognize me. <laughs> But we're awake, we can see. But you're blind and you're naked. And come to me, says the Lord, and receive eye salve, that you may heal your eyes. And come from me and I will give you garments. Garments that I will give you, not based on your own human efforts at righteousness. Because your efforts at righteousness are as filthy, oily rags. Why try to reinvent what I have given you? I've given you my own cloak of righteousness. I've given you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I've given you my Ruach HaKodesh. I've given you the Holy Separated Spirit so you could walk with him. You can talk with him. You can have communion and have fellowship with him. And I want my people to have fellowship with me. Do you know how much God really loves us? He loves us so, so much. Beyond anything we could even comprehend. If God was to show you just how much he loved you right now, most of you would die and go to heaven. It would be too much for us. It would be like seeing the face of God 
You would go home to be with the Lord. Is that to say we can't experience the love of God on the earth? No, not at all. But his love for us is so strong and it's so great. And the Holy Spirit is agonizing. Wish my people would spend time with me. I wish my people would learn to hear my voice. I wish people would feel my heartbeat for this nation. I wish my people would know my heartbeat and feel my pain and my agony towards my church. I wish my people, instead of criticising and pointing the finger, would actually do something about it and get on their knees and intercede on their behalf. Because Jesus loves you and he interceded for you and for me and freely we have received and now he's saying, will you please do likewise? Will you please do some time with me? And will you please, please pray for my people? And will you please, please pray for this land? Because the heart of God has something awesome for this nation. But this nation's going to go through some tough times. It must be humbled. And the church must be humbled as well. But in the process, in that melting pot, The gold is refined and purified and out of that muck that I I will take off the top will be this pure gold and this pure church. A church that will not be led by ego. A church that will not be led by people that wish they could run the church. A people that 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 will understand that their carnal minds cannot reason the things of the spirit. A church that understands the wonderful freedoms and the joys that I've given to them. My blessed Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. But it's almost like these things are not enough for my people anymore. They're bored of these things. They're bored of these things. Oh, we don't want to do that anymore. We want, to, we want to do this instead. We want to look into that. We want to research this. I want to, I want to get involved in that. I, 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 want to, I want to be busy doing this for Jesus. I want to be busy doing that for Jesus. I want to be busy doing this for Jesus. I want to watch this. I want to listen to this. I want to... And it's like, well, please, 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 just stop. Just stop. Just stop and listen to me. Please, my people, will you just stop? The pillar is moving. The God you love is moving and you're not seeing it. You're not being aware of it. You think you're awake, but you're fast asleep. You need to open your eyes and you need to get on your knees and you need to open your hearts and you need to listen to me you need to pray to me more you need to be on your face before me and know that I am the Lord your God and you shall have no other gods before me you are your own idol your time your freedom your things your this your that your this I want my people to know that I am truly God it is me and me alone and I am your God I am your saviour I am your rock I am your shield I am your deliverer I am your healer I am the source of your joy I am the source of your life I am the source of everything to you so why do you look to yourselves and why do you look here and why do you look there it's my spirit that will lead you into all truth but you listen to this and you watch this and you do this and you do that why will you not listen to me The rain is falling. Hallelujah. The rain is falling. What are you going to do? Are you going to allow the rains to come upon your fallow, hardened hearts and soften that soil? 
Or are you going to cover that soil over with your own wisdom and your own righteousness and your own ideas and your own plans and your own ambitions and your own blueprint for your own life? Hallelujah. Because I have come to set my people free. I have come to set you free. And I want you to be free so you can set everybody else free. I said I want you to be free so you can set everybody else free. But I am free. No, you're not. You're bound. You're in chains. You don't know it. You're blind. You're naked. You can't even think. And you think you're awake. And you think you're clothed. And you think you can see. But you're not. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He really loves you. Man, we got whipped real good by the Holy Spirit today at church. But remember, when God spoke to the church of Laodicea, that was the only church that survived. And yet she received the most sternness of warnings. That church lived on for another 700 years. 700 years. All the others died out within a few hundred. The church that was in the most worst spiritual decline of that time a church that compromised, a church that didn't understand anything. She received a stern rebuke from the Lord and she changed her ways and she became one of the biggest, most influential and powerful churches of that time. What do you want, saints? What do we want? Do we want business as usual? Do we want to carry on the way we're doing? I tell you, as surely as I stand here, there are people in this room right now, your hearts are burning for Jesus. And there are some, as surely as I stand here right now, that you know you're missing it. You know it deep down in you. You absolutely know you're not hitting the mark. You know what, you're doing all these different things, all these crazy stuff, but you're not hitting the mark and you know it. Only Jesus is the answer. No, no, no. No, you're not hearing me. I said only Jesus is the answer. You're not hearing me. Only Jesus is the answer. Only Jesus is the answer. Yeah, but we need to do this, that. No, only Jesus is the answer. But what about these programs? No, only Jesus is the answer. Well, we want to build this building. No, only Jesus is the answer. But I want to get married first. No, only Jesus is the answer. Only Jesus is the answer. And so the Spirit of God is saying to us today, consecrate yourselves, brothers and sisters. Consecrate yourselves unto me. It's time for the church to rise. And it's time for the church to get out of this barren wilderness where nothing grows. Any, any church leaders here? Me? Anyone else? Okay. You will know that pl church planting in this spiritual season is one of the worst jobs to do. It's so hard, nothing grows. And if it does grow, it's really hard to make it grow. I don't know about you, but I am tired of being in the wilderness. I am tired. You know, people, I don't I want to stay in the wilderness. I'm comfortable with the wilderness. It's what I know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not, I'm fed up with the wilderness. I'm done with it. I was done with it a long time ago. I want to go into the promised land. The Spirit of God is taking us to the promised land. But we've got to get there by the Spirit of God. We can't do it by our own strength, by our own reasoning, by our own intellect, by our own righteousness, by our own cleverness, by the, our own intellect. 
This is about walking and breathing and moving by the Spirit. Those that walk by the Spirit against such there is no Torah. Those that walk by the Spirit against such there is no Torah. There is no law against those that walk by the Spirit. That's what it says in Galatians 5. There is no law against those that walk by the Spirit. And those that walk by the Spirit shall not fulfill the dictates of the flesh or the lusts of the flesh thereof. Because the Spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. But where are you going to walk from? Are you going to walk from carnal reasoning and external things to try and affect the inner man? Or are you going to start walking from the things of the Spirit and start from the inner man to make the outer man conform to that which is a reality of the Spirit within? It is the difference between religion and true Christianity. True Christianity is a walk of faith in the finished work of Christ. Religion is where we try to do things in our own strength to obtain something from God, which we already have because it says, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I say again, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What are you blessed with? I say, how many blessings? Okay, so you don't need to do weird stuff to get every blessing of God. You're probably thinking, what's he mean by weird stuff? I don't know, everyone's always doing something weird. I, you know, I do something weird sometimes and I have to like repent and things. It's like, oh man, you know, I'm always having to chuck stuff away because I've gotten into the wrong things. I'm sorry for I'm shouting and ranting and raving at you. Please forgive me. I, I am sorry and I don't want to rant and rave at you. I really don't. But this morning when I was praying, this was the message that God gave me. And I know it's not a happy message and it's not a joyous message necessarily. But it, it's, it's, it's God is really wanting his church. Now, fortunately, this message isn't really just for us. It's for the wider church. And, it's, and God, is, God is saying, look, guys, this, this, this is a difficult time we're coming into. And the only way you can get through this is not by your cleverness, not by how prepared you are, actually, but actually walking in the things of my spirit. It has to be done by the spirit. It can't be done the other way, any other way. What does that look like? It's again just learning to, you know, it's coming back to basics. It's about coming back to basics. You know, when you read through the book of Revelation, one of the constant criticisms that Jesus had for the church is that they, they, they drifted away from the truth. You know, come back to your first love. Because they were too busy with secondary issues. One church was so obsessed with error in the church that they missed the truth. You know, they always say that if you want to spot counterfeit notes, you spend time with the real one. But a lot of people think, no, if we just focus on the counterfeit and look at all the errors and all the heresies and all this and all that, then maybe it's like, no, live in the truth. And when you walk in the truth, you'll spot the heresy and the error as soon as it, well, at least you should do, as it comes through. But the trouble is we don't spot error and heresy because we're not really walking in the truth. We just get taken along with every teaching here and every doctrine there. I've done it. I've been guilty of it myself. And, and I just had to, every now and then, I just have to keep coming back to it. That plumb line, which is Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You getting the message? Who is the plumb line? Jesus. Jesus. What does it look like to be a crazy spirit-filled person? 
Jesus. What does it look like to be one that walks in the spirit? Jesus. Everything goes back to Jesus. If you want to know what it is like to, to, to be a leader and you've got someone in who's stealing money from your, from your, own, from your, own, uh, your own ministry, who do you look to? Jesus. How did, how did we people deal with stress and angst and problems? Jesus. If you want to know what it's like to be a person of prayer, you look to Jesus. Everything, Jesus. 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 Let's not get caught up in secondary issues. God is about to do something wonderful in this nation. And please, for the love of God and for your own sanity and your own soul, do not put your hand out to steady. Well, let's just steady this move of the spirit. Let's just let's just just touch this for it. Don't you don't you dare get your hands on it. Don't you dare touch that which is holy. Because there's nothing about us that is as holy enough that we think that we can touch the holiness of God. That's why Joshua was saying in this book here, you've got to keep a distance. Oh no, but I can, I can run boldly to the throne room of God. Yes, you can. But you also need to know you serve a holy God. He's a lovely God. He's a kind God. He's a generous God. But he is holy. He is set apart. And you and I need to do some business with the things of God. We need to sit down with the Spirit in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, show me things that you want me to change in my life. Because you know what? Where we're going, I can't be dealing with this bag on my back of my shoulder anymore. I need to drop that baggage. I need to drop that bitterness. I need to drop that criticism of other Christians. I need to stop my bag of moaniness. I moan all the time. And put that bag down. You know, the other day the Holy Spirit said to me, he showed me I was in a prayer room. I was moaning about someone that was moaning to him. And he was like saying, can you not see what's going on here? Can you not see the picture? What? I'm moaning about someone that's moaning. He said, yeah, you're now guilty of the same sin. Quit it. Oh, yeah, sorry. You know, oh, I hate judgmental Christians. (laughs) Yeah. How many have done that? I hate judgmental Christians. (laughs) Yeah, we've got to stop doing that. We've got to have this love for God and a love for one another. And God doesn't want parties and spirit, party spirit, which is like, well, I believe this, but you don't. Uh, uh. And we start splitting and fragmenting. This, is, this grieves the spirit of God. So I'm just going to end by praying a few things over us. Do you mind? Okay. And I'm going to come against some demonic stuff. Not that I'm saying it's necessarily here, but we have a network of churches and, and it's good to pray these things. And it's good to intercede for your church with these things. God's given us spiritual authority. It's about time we use some of that spiritual authority because most of the time the church has got these great big guns and don't do anything with them. So, you already lock and load? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church network, Lord Jesus. Lord, I can't pray for other churches, Lord God, because they're not in my purview. But I thank you for this network, Lord Jesus, the Living Word Church Network, Lord God. And so, Lord, we just want to do business with you now. We want to pray for this church, Lord Jesus. But Lord, before we pray blessing, Lord, let's deal with the devil, Lord God. And so I take authority over you, Satan, and over you, demons, that are in this church, in our church network, of false religion. I bind you up and I break you and I destroy your stronghold in Jesus' name. I break and destroy the stronghold of a deceitful lying spirit in the name of Jesus. I bind you up and I cast you out of this church. Uh, um, I, I bind up people that gossip and that spirit of gossip and that spirit of division. I bind you foul spirits up in Jesus' name and I cast you out of this church in Jesus' mighty name. I bind up the spirit 
of false religion, false teaching, false ideologies, false doctrines. I bind you up in Jesus' name and I cast you out of this church. Where the eyes are blind, I, I speak, speak against you foul spirits that blind people and put them into stupor and put them to sleep. In Jesus' name, leave these people alone in Jesus' name. And I speak life over these people, Jesus. I speak blessing over these people, Lord Jesus. I speak joy into them, Lord Jesus, that they will be happy, they will be joyous people in the things of the kingdom of God, Lord God. Lord, I speak life over them. I speak blessings over them. Lord, let your face shine upon them. Let your blessings fall upon them, Lord God. Let all the wonderful things that you have planned for these people's lives come about, Lord Jesus. And I rebuke the devil from short-circuiting people's destinies in this church. I rebuke, um, when, what do they call it when a woman, a, a miscarriage. I, I, I rebuke miscarriages in this church right now. Miscarriages of justice. Miscarriages of health. Miscarriages of, 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 of destiny in Jesus' name. I bind up you spirits of miscarriage and I rebuke you and cast you out of this church in Jesus' mighty name. And God, let your blessings flow. Let your goodness and your kindness fall upon us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord God, that you are a good God and you've come to set your people free. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen.